0: I am Omer, a football writer and analyst, and hosting alongside me is H, a content creator that focuses on the tactical side of the beautiful game in a wonderful, accurate and accessible manner. Welcome to the And Again podcast. This podcast brings astute analysis and genuine insight into everything this week in football. Joining us today is someone who best captures everything that has happened specifically this week in football. He is a presenter for the United Stand, a host on Sport, and most recently, the country's new top managerial prospect. Welcome, Mark Goldbridge.
1: How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Uh been a very interesting week, but uh a big fan of what you do and uh yeah, happy to be on. So yeah, let's go on with it.
0: Thank you so much. Uh yeah, uh a hectic week indeed. Tell us a little bit about how how it's been, uh sort of managing obviously the game uh for the YouTube All Stars against Iron FC um, at the value in front of twenty seven thousand uh, sounds absolutely insane. We all watched it. We saw how it took over social media. Uh, so yeah, just give us a bit of insight into into how that was.
1: Yeah, um, it, it it was amazing. I think um, a lot of people have asked me about it, and for me, it was when I was asked. It was just like, yeah, of course I'll do it. I'm, 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 it was such a privilege to be asked to do it, and then you to stand in front of twenty seven thousand people and the other manager was like saying he was quite nervous, Billy. And I was like, not nervous. I'm not leaving the technical area. (laughs) This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to do something. We've all done playing football manager, FIFA or analyzing games. And it's just like, you know, this is, I'll probably never get this again. So it's a bucket list thing. And, I fully thoroughly enjoyed it. They'd, they'd said it, they'd asked me to wear a suit. I was like, I probably would have done that. off my own back anyway, and yeah, it's, it was just it was it was it was it was just fantastic. The whole day was amazing, and they, I mean, the side men are just unbelievable. What what they're doing, and they they, they, they there's no expense spared, and there's no corner cut. It's just it ran so smoothly. It was fantastic. It made ultimately it was about the charity and, and raising the money that they did. And everybody involved, whether it was Speed or Danny Aarons or whoever, whatever level they were, just absolutely loved the day. It was great.
0: Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Speed there. I think sort of everybody's <laughs> been talking about Speed, like the biggest creators on, in, in the UK all posting their photos with Speed. And, and uh, yeah, just... How, how was well first of all how is speed uh just in general and then how was it to sort of manage him we were talking online while the game was going on sort of joking a little bit about when speed came off the intensity dropped he's this he's this player of intangibles obviously sort of joking around there talking about tactics and things like that but what speed uh he, he was decent though no? yeah he, he was he was i mean there's a few players there that
1: just hadn't played the game before and i don't know what there was a few clips floating around of him in England. And I mean, I I'd, I'd, he didn't look like much of a player there, but he, <laughs> being an athlete and he is an athlete, he did have his use and he made some dangerous tackles and he made some good, I mean, Chunk scored because of a good tackle from, from speed. So yeah, I mean, he, he was a, he was a good character. I was very fortunate that on the bus, he came and sat next to me. So we had like half an hour sort of, Chatting and stuff and Here we are on the team yeah. bus <laughs> Heading out there so we, Let's turn off four four three tactics We're winning this game No matter what Through passes L1 circle passes All of that man Let's go bro I say chatting It's not like it, It's an act And he's just You know he is as intense as he is in real life, but uh, we built up a bit of a rapport, <laughs> oh which by the time we played the game, I mean, I subbed him off quite early in the second half and he wasn't happy about it, but it was quite funny actually, because I have done a bit of coaching in the past. And when I took him off, obviously got 27,000 people who don't want him to come off and he didn't want to come off. And he sort of, yeah, sort of. there was a bit of a moment and I, that's where that picture came from of me in the dugout, because I was basically just telling him who the boss was <laughs> and what, what, what was going to happen. But it was all, it was, it was, it was never an issue. It was good. It was good fun. There's no player power. <laughs> no, no player power in this
0: team. <laughs> Everyone respects the boss, Bridge, Fair. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you did something off early on. I, I just wanted to know a little bit more about. So, sort of throughout the game, you were making subs. You were just sort of changing the system. Did you go into the game sort of having a idea like a system in mind? And then how did you sort of decide to make subs and when when to make subs and just sort of yeah. talk us through? Yeah, just generally like how it went throughout the game.
1: Well, the reaction to it's been funny and I just think it's really funny. You know, people are saying Goldbridge for manager and all that because, you know, that's <laughs> social media and it, it, it was just, it was a fun event and and I think we were all saying in the after party how it was just great how it was all blowing up. But to be honest, it, I don't know how the sidemen did it, but for us, we had a, a, the lads set up like a WhatsApp group in the week before and it, and it started really early about what we're going to do and how how their strengths are. And one of the problems we had very early on was we had no centre backs, so everyone will know when you're playing at any level. If you've got no centre backs, you're in a you're in a lot of problems. We had a really good midfield of um, Philly, Noah Beck, Noah Beck and um, yeah. and Theo, and Harry Pinero can play centre back, but we had no like literally nobody to, who could play there. So this was a problem that we were talking about for a few days, and then basically we. Um, Got to the day and basically said that we were just going to drop one of our midfielders into centre back, and they would rotate. So sometimes it'd be Philly, sometimes it'd be Theo. We had no pace up front either. So the plan was always that Calder Dragon may have made a few mistakes in goal, but he's he's okay with the ball at his feet.
0: Yeah, it was actually surprising. Yeah, there was one ping that he he had on his left and he hit it out, left back
2: or something. Yeah, it's like a yeah, yeah. It was actually pretty good. I remember seeing that.
1: Yeah, so he's got good distribution. So, yeah, the plan was that our strength was the midfield, and then one of the centre backs was going to be one of the midfielders. Um, there was no pace in the front three apart from speed, who couldn't stay on side. So, <laughs> we, we we basically just made the had the opinion that we were going to pass and move and pass out from the back. And we, and, and lo and behold, we scored a bloody really really good a goal really doing good that. Goal, so yeah, yeah, it, it was premeditated, but ultimately you've got to have the. You've got to have the players to do it. Um that goal was fantastic. And that that was from the players. That wasn't from from anything I'd done. It was just that was the principle we wanted and they went out and 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 delivered.
2: I actually thought it was like when you put when you put Philly at center half, I was like I think I actually tweeted it that it was actually a really good tweak because you were like proper struggling to get out. And then as yeah. soon as he dropped into centre half, it made you like it made him such a better like football inside. And I was like, There's actually like a really good bit of like in-game management. And I was like, this is actually pretty decent.
1: Yeah, that was predetermined to do that because Theo started, I think, at centre-back. But yeah. he's a, he's such a good... I, I, I said to him, you know, I think every player I've ever watched, I can see traits of a previous player. And maybe that's just yeah. the way my mind works. I've never seen a player that I've gone, I can't see a bit of another player in him. And Theo reminds me a bit of a... I mean, obviously he's not that, but he's got that sort of Zidane thing. He's quite a big big bloke but he's good off both Moves feet fast. and I was like we've got to get him further forward so it was always yeah. going to be rotated and yeah you're right when Philly dropped in there he's another person that can just bring some calm to the defense as well
0: yeah it really carried, carried the ball nicely yeah, yeah the,
2: the spine of that team was so good like I think uh, Noah Beck's just like he was just like a level ahead of everyone I think like towards yeah like yeah let's talk, let's talk game, about
0: Noah Beck Mr yeah. Noah Beck in midfield that guy's
1: a player. Yeah, I mean I'd seen him in Soccer Aid and um, was very obviously very very impressed with him. Uh, I he was he wasn't very happy at the end of the game. He was not he, he felt he'd had a really bad game and um oh. I think
0: that I think yeah, I think he tweeted something saying yeah. that. Yeah, I think he, he tweeted saying he wasn't
1: happy. Yeah, yeah. If he'd had a bad game then we, I, I dread to think what what would have happened if he'd had a good game because <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. just he was never You know, sometimes when you're playing and you're so good that you can just go past everybody, there was enough quality on that pitch that he was never going to be able to get past everybody. So he had to sort of play within in the boundaries of the game. But even within that, I think his quality shone through. And um, he was disappointed we had to sub him off, but we had to sub everybody off. That that, that, I think that was probably clear to everybody. Everybody had to come off at some point. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. he's the best player on the pitch. He's probably the best player I've ever seen uh, at YouTube level. Apart from the guy who works for me now, Charlie Morley's a very good, very, very good player as well. But um, oh, yeah, no, yeah. Noah Beck's. Because a couple of them probably... used to
2: play for uh, Hashtag, didn't they? I think Theo used to play for yeah. Hashtag. And I think Charlie Morley used to play for Hashtag as well. Yeah. And then yeah, Noah yeah. Beck, when I found out, when I was watching him in Soccer Aid, I actually watched the performance and I tweeted, and he, he, he like quote tweeted my tweet saying, like, I think I said, like, United need a number six. And he was like, I can play uh, six and eight. I was like, I'll step in. And then I actually did like research and he actually had a full on scholarship or he had the chance to go, like, on a scholarship and he was like that good. And then someone said at the end of the soccer aid game, like one of the ex-pros he was playing was like, he was one of the best players on the pitch today. Like he didn't even look like out of place. He was like playing like an ex-player.
1: Yeah. The thing I like about Noah Beck is that so many players are good players, but they're attackers. Everybody appreciates Noah Beck and he plays in a position that you've got to know football to know how good he is. And and and, and that's what I like about him. He's He's not a striker. He's not a winger. He's literally a conductor uh, he's a box-to-box player he's a he's, he just sets the tempo of the team at a much deeper level and you've got to know football to know that and so many people obviously do know football now because they, they you know he, he just gets so much um, praise and quite
0: rightly so yeah you know um, obviously there was so score was 8-7 and there was a multitude of like wonderful goals uh what was your favourite goal and what was your what do you think was the best goal so I'm asking both of these questions because I have a feeling I know what the answer to favourite goal is going to be um, yeah. but what do you think sort of the best goal was as well
1: well one of my favourite goals because I grew up on it was um, Brazil against Italy in 1970 this team goal that just goes all the way down the pitch and then just I think Pele lays it off for <laughs> He just comes through and whacks it in with the outside of his foot so yeah I would definitely go for the goal that started out for, for, with Cal and went all the way up because it was a lovely weighted pass that to Castro just whacked into the bottom corner and that's yeah. I think yeah. team goals like that are just fantastic but Philly's goal was bloody good as well. I was right behind that and he smacked it straight yeah, in the top a, corner. And I think try. some of the keepers could have done better on some of the shots, but I don't think that one was, was going to get stopped.
2: I think even pieface Face after it just like kind of just looked around and pulled back a face. Is that, what say, like, what can I
1: really like, do? Like, yeah. that just come
2: through? Yeah, like, yeah. what can I do there?
1: There were some good goals. I mean, look, Mini Minters, Chip, the header from uh, the, was it, um, Toby, I think, scored the Manny. header. Lovely cross. Yeah, Toby's uh, scored the to money, yeah. That was it, yeah. Uh, and yeah, there was um, there was some good goals, but I I felt with most of those, the keepers would have been a bit disappointed. But I think those yeah. two that I've said were pretty much unstoppable.
0: Yeah, I'd probably have to agree with you. Uh, I think those two, and then yeah, I really like the um, the the Toby cross to money, especially like two brothers sort of playing together, yeah. like full crowd, like it's it's a nice moment. And Castro's uh, obviously Castro with his celebration, dedicating the goal to yeah, I was um, lover. Yeah, his his moment yeah, with um, b yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, just in general, I thought the whole, like the whole event was just it, it. left me feeling like, wow, this is look at the scene. Like, there's really just it something.
2: was crazy. How far, how far they've all come. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, you got and and also you got that connection between Toby and Manny because even on the bus they were sat together on the bus there and stuff and so. It was nice that they, you know, that they got that as as brothers, like you say. And I mean, I think they've done a few of these, and that was probably the best game by a very, very long way. Because even to the free yeah. kick at the end, if Theo scores that, we're going to penalties. And I, I thought he would score that. I did oh, think he'd score. The that. The game
0: was but, scripted you know, went, for him to score that. Yeah. You know.
1: I know. Yeah, we were all on the side. We thought it'd go in, but it wasn't <laughs> to be. And I don't. I think. I think by the end of it, everyone had just given everything, and it was just like you know. And and as I say, after the game, it felt like we'd won anyway. The reaction to the goals and everything was a weird one. The reaction was so
2: positive. It just felt like no one lost.
0: Yeah, and uh, obviously, so you, like, I mean, you would not have seen social media when you were sort of managing and and being there at the game. But sort of seeing the response live, like, was ridiculous because there were so many people who were saying this is one of the most fun games that, or the most enjoyable games that we've seen like in professional football included mm, yeah. um and I obviously I, I wrote an article recently um because nowadays in the Premier League we see a lot of sort of rigid games like they're almost chess matches you see teams sort of sat deep uh, teams trying to uh, be I don't know cautious and not express themselves and in the charity game obviously um I mean there's far more leeway to do and express yourself a little bit more but the sort of lenient refereeing that the heavy challenges sort of the willingness to take long shots these like moments that were just really enjoyable and sort of reminded me a little bit about football way way before these sort of tactical principles were really heavily ingrained in the game so uh, just in that way like I just thought obviously it's people that we know in a game more familiar and something that we can relate to I just yeah it's really I thought it was, it was so enjoyable it was man. so
1: entertaining yeah. yeah I, I, well, I'm glad that they got that because I know that's what they wanted out of it, and uh, I think we, we did. It. We, they did deliver, which was which was great.
0: Yeah. And uh, before before the game kicked off, I, I saw you mention sort of the centre back woes, and and uh, that you would even have called on Harry Maguire if he was available to play. Uh, <laughs> talking about that let's uh sort of transition a little bit towards england and and let's say uh three-piece Goldbridges in charge at the world cup what would be your starting 11 going into the world cup because i know after this international break uh, there was a lot of the, the mood was lower uh, in the country sort of around england and their hopes and sort of who the best players to to play in the team would be if we were going position by position how would you uh, pick your england side going into the
1: world cup i think individually there's there's not too many changes I would have made to the squad that he picked but there's a world of difference to the way that we're playing and one of the things that really frustrates me is that we've got so many good technical players um, obviously I'm a United fan but I, I can't fail to be impressed by the, the the education and technical ability of someone like Phil Foden who in an England shirt looks completely lost Jaden Sancho doesn't get picked he's a technical player I I don't think Harry Kane for England is anywhere near the Harry Kane that we see for Spurs either. So whatever the formation is, if we had a manager that actually knew how to coach technical players, I think he's stuck in the 90s with a, a style of football that just doesn't belong. And we we more often than not, we just grind out results in a very dull, boring way. But... I would go to a back four. Um, I, would play, I would change the way that we play football. I'd like to see us being more confident and patient on the ball, more progressive on the ball, which is nothing new because there's plenty of managers that do that in the modern game. But I'd go with a back four. Um, I, th- I, I, I think Harry Maguire and Eric Dyer are decent centre-backs, but I think they suit back fives. And we've got lots of attacking talent, so I've never been a fan of a back five the fact that we play a back five and don't play Trent as a right back, right wing back is baffling to me because you're almost covering his defensive uh, um, inefficiencies. So I'd go back four. Um, keeper, I'm not really bothered about. Pickford, Ramsdale, as long as it's... Yeah, i will be okay with those. And my back four would be, again, Luke Shaw or Chilwell. <laughs> no Pope shout out. No, I like Pope, <laughs> but I think sometimes you're a good Premier League keeper and you're not a good For international England, yeah. keeper. Yeah, his distribution is just a, yeah.
2: Yeah, a hole.
1: Yeah, I'd go... Sure or well at left back, I really don't really mind there. I'd go Tamori and Stones and I'd give them, you know, after the World Cup to develop that relationship. And right back, probably in about four, I'd go Reese James. I think he's more rounded. And then into the midfield, I'd be playing a three of Rice, Bellingham, and probably probably Mount, maybe Foden there. Put one of those there as the as the as the as the head attacker. Harry Harry Kane, yep, and then Saka's got to play off the right for me, and then left hand side, Probably, I'd like to put Sancho there. To be honest, I, I would, I would, but, but that's because of how I want to play football.
2: I think I like, I think I like Volden as an eight, like uh, like Mark was saying. I think I'd like him at the top of a three in midfield. I do. Yeah, I just like from from seeing it at United. I just I really like um, like power. In wide areas, especially when you've got a striker in the box who can score like pretty much any type of goal, yeah. I feel like if you if you can't yeah. really, you know, cut back or cross into the box, I feel like you can't just be coming back inside all the time. So I feel like I would probably go with Sterling, Kane, uh, Saka yeah. uh, as my front three. But I think Sancho, I think he's been heavily criticised for like, for 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 the way he plays and like more more sort of like the tempo he plays at and like Mm. stuff like that but I think he was never really this blitz winger at Dortmund like it was it was mainly about being a a wide creator and having runners off him
0: I I do think with uh with Sancho he he did thrive in sort of a a game that was slightly more open yeah uh like you said with those runners so you know although he hasn't hit the ground running at Manchester United on the international stage with sort of an overlapping fullback with the space that that the international game gives you he might be a player that sort of thrives a little bit more on that stage
2: yeah I think Luke Shaw would provide that as well like I think if we had Luke Shaw currently playing at like the peak when he was under Solskjaer where he was actually making like really good like underlapping and overlapping runs and we'd move Sancho to the left-hand side instead of playing him on the right when he first come in I feel like that would actually be quite good because when Shaw actually gets beyond the last man, he's really good. Like his his actual final ball is quite decent. Um, yeah, I, I think he's been heavily scrutinised, and I just feel like he's it's okay having one player who can come in on the right hand, like the right foot on the left side. Like I think that's fine having one player, but when you've got two, it does worry me a little bit. So like I'd be fine with Saka, Sancho, or. Um, like I don't know, like a Grealish, Sterling, something like that. Like that's that's completely fine as long as you've got like a a different sort of dynamic on the opposing side. If that makes any sense, like I don't want it just to no. both be inside all the time.
0: The thing is, yeah, you sort of need someone going closer to Kane a little bit to provide that yeah. that goal threat. Obviously, you can get it from midfield a little bit. Um, but I think a lot of our midfielders are sort of these box to box midfielders rather than these out and out attacking midfielders. Yes. Uh, but like, yeah, like Mark was saying, Foden sort of in a central area um, is a potential option there. And I think personally, I would have I would go for like a four two three one shape, um, and then with Sterling, Saka, Foden behind Kane. I think that sort of gets a nice balance yeah. uh, between all of them.
1: It's hard to envisage because we're imagining something that we haven't seen because we, we think of England yeah. and go this counter-attacking team, and in my vision with my team, it would be a team that you've got Saka and Sancho who are more than capable of taking people on, Good. but you'd have full-backs who want to get past them. You've got people like Foden and Bellingham and Sancho and Saka who are more than happy to keep 70% of the ball and be in the opposition's half. It's hard to envisage because we we just don't do it. That's the problem. But yeah, that, that would be the dream. I yeah,
2: think. Like, We don't have any like late, Like you were saying, Kane doesn't play the same for Tottenham as he does for England. And it's actually like a really good point because obviously when Kane comes deeper, he's got like Son ahead of him, like Kulosevski ahead of him, uh, Richaulis and now they, they run on past him. Like for Kane, for England, there's no one in the midfield who actually makes runs beyond the striker. Like we've not got any of that. I know people like to compare him to Frank Lampard, but Mason Mount's not really like... I don't know, especially yeah. in an English show, he's not really constantly arriving in the box and stuff like that, and you know, getting cutbacks and you know, receiving balls further than the striker. I feel like we kind of miss that old school English midfielder that can actually arrive late in the box. Like if you are going to play this quite like wide system with your with your three centre backs and your wing backs, and at least have some like box presence, not just just not just Kane on his own.
1: Harry Kane's probably one of the biggest victims of of, of Southgate because he is. Scoring goals for England, but anybody who knows the game and knows how he plays for Spurs, yep. he's not performing like that. But because he scores goals, no one ever no. talks about Kane for England, but he's nowhere. we're nowhere near getting the best out of Harry Kane. But he'll pop up with a goal and everyone goes, oh, it's Harry Kane for England, because actually I, f- I find most punditry around England to be quite basic. I mean, I've spent the week listening to people telling yeah. me that Southgate's got credit in the bank and we need to give him time and I'm like, who are these England pundits? Because they've got no idea as to where football is at the moment.
0: Yeah, I I was just going to mention before that um, on on the point of these runners uh, and and playing this sort of attacking football and and getting the best out of Kane, we only really see Raheem Sterling making that run beyond Kane and uh, sort of in the Euros, he was responsible for the large majority of the goals that England scored during that time. I think... I will make a brief point, uh, on Marcus Rashford. I do think if we do persist playing with this sort of pragmatic counter-attacking football, I think Marcus Rashford, um, maybe alongside Raheem Sterling, and then Kane between them, does give you like a far greater threat attacking sort of behind opposition high lines. So if if I was a manager of England, I would be taking Rashford um, just even based yeah. on the performances. I think he's
2: been better as a number nine recently. I think he's. There's like. I always. I, I really like strikers who can actually receive the ball with the bat to goals. But one of the main, like, criticisms of Marcus Rashford over the past few years, especially when, like, Ollie wanted to play him up front in bigger games when we were playing on the break, it was like he didn't really have, A, the penalty box instinct and he didn't have the upper body strength to, like, pin defenders. But he's actually got a little bit better at that. Like, his actual final ball has been really good this season. Like, even though they're just even though they're just like off to the side it's sort like the the perfectly weighted I don't think he's actually messed up a pass like in the final third and you've not gone oh Marcus, come on like just a bit more on it or a bit less on it something like that but he's actually developing as a striker but I still see him as a a wide left player like a yeah I, I, that's where I see him
0: Tough in on the left yeah yeah a nine in a counter attacking system or just a, a a left winger in a sort of more ball heavy system well, in an England
1: Unlocking squad, you've got to have a player like that. He's a differential. He's a player that you can either start or you can bring on for the last half an hour. Who's direct and quick. I, I agree with with H. I don't. I don't like Rashford as a number nine. I prefer him as a, a left sided attacker because I think he's best running at goal than yeah. he's got than his back to goal. Yeah. But in a certain system, if you look at the Derby at the weekend, Rashford's way more suitable than Ronaldo because Ronaldo's a better striker. But Ronaldo's a penalty box striker we're not going to spend a lot of time in the penalty box yeah. everything we do is going to be in behind stretching that defense on the break and rashford's perfect for that and in the modern game having different options it's like putting a big man up front in the old days it, rashford does give you different yeah. options
2: that's like what we what we're doing now it's like we've reverted back to like the the old school like center forward like you look at like Tammy Abraham Vlahovic Haaland like These big and Giroud, Ramatada, Giroud Giroud, in in Serie A. has been so good this season. Yeah, yeah. There's just like there's so many big strikers now who are just if you could just hit the ball into the feet and they can lay it off. That's all they have to do. Apart Mm. from that, they just have to be a box presence, and that is literally it. Like I think that's what we're kind of lacking because Ronaldo can can probably come deep, pin someone, and lay it off. But then the actual like final like burst is just it's not there. He's 38. Like just cannot offer
0: that anymore especially in these like high transition games like it's too much I think Anthony Martial definitely uh, can provide that profile of striker and I I was a fan of Anthony Martial when he was at his best uh, under Ole and Bruno was running off him I think in pre-season we saw some of that again Um, so yeah it is a really valuable profile I think Man United do want a a, a striker or Ten Hag wants a striker in that sort of mould and obviously he's a fan of Martial I think once United do get a player like that um you know, they'll sort of up a le- go up a level and be able to play more um, in the style of yeah. Ten Hogs Ajax. But uh, as we're mentioning Man United and and we've transitioned to talking a little bit about the game on the weekend, I do want to get everyone's uh, thoughts and, and predictions and, and sort of a preview on the Manchester derby coming up. Um, Mark, how do you feel about uh, the game? I know that Man United have injuries, uh, I think, Marcus Rashford might be injured. Martial's out as well. What are your sort of thoughts going into the game now on the weekend?
1: I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed at the gap we've had from the last Premier League game, which will be four weeks, and uh, straight after an international break as well. It's you don't want to be away from home and you don't want to be playing a Manchester derby. But whether we played Arsenal last week and we had momentum or not, I don't think it changes the 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 the, the game in the sense that we're playing the best team in England, one of the best teams in the world. And we're right at the start of the Ten Hag journey. And whatever happens on Sunday, Ten Hag's not going toe-to-toe with Pep in the way that he wants to do eventually. This is going to be trying to stop Man City with a game plan that is based around that. And the attempt Mm. is to win the game or get a point. So I think if you go into the game as a fan with that mentality, the word I mentioned earlier on the United stand was credibility. I think we've just got to come out of the game with credibility because we didn't have that last year and it will yeah. have to be based on the fact that man city will have a lot of the ball which i think 99.9% of it's the teams in the world truth, will give them
0: the basically. ball basically yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so i i would I, I mean the injury problems are unfortunate because marcel and rashford are the two players that could probably stretch them in a way that ronaldo or alanga won't have the experience to do or ronaldo won't have the speed to do it's interesting i i i really do think casemiro needs to play but i don't think he necessarily will um I think a player like that in a game like that brings so much composure to the midfield which we've got at the back Um, I'd be over the moon with a point lads and I'm going to go with a 1-1 I'd be over the moon with a draw because I think it's about credibility and, and growing and if we can remain unbeaten and then take that into the rest of the games in October I'd be overjoyed with that but I don't disrespect Man City and I think we are firmly the underdogs because Man City have earned that rights and that consistency over many years under Pep, they are the finished article and we are right at the start. But I'm excited about yeah. it.
0: Yeah, that's really fair. Uh H what about you?
2: S- sort of similar, yeah. I think I think we'll s I think we'll e we'll, I think we'll drop back even more in this game. I think um I I really wanna I, I like I I agree with Mark, I think Casemiro would be really nice in this game. I think if you if you get the lines really tight together, you play you play um Varane and Lissandro as box defenders. Um you know, and you sit back and you just try and stretch him. Mean, it is unfortunate because, do you know what? I think if we, I think if we actually had Martial and Rashford for this game, I would be quite confident. And that's like I would maybe be nice, really worried naive, for our, ch- yeah. our
0: chances. Yeah, because yeah. we I have sent a, a couple of centre backs out as well. So
2: yeah, like John Stones is out, and I was like, he's been like right up there, and like he's probably one of the best centre halves in the world at the moment. I think, but I feel like against Wolves, I was just like, I was so annoyed that uh, Sasha Kalazic got. Um, injured because if if wolves actually had a big man in that game against city even though they got beat they actually had a lot of moments where you were thinking if they had a big center forward who they could play it into and they mm. could roll in then it'd be they actually could do something you know they've got Neto and pedence like two really fast tricky wingers and i was thinking like if you had like rashford and sancho or you know anthony and rashford it doesn't matter like and then you have martial up front you've got a Centre forward who can receive the ball into feet and link well, and then you've got two really like high energy runners. I think I think I'd feel a lot more confident. But with the with the front three that we're probably projected to play in now, it'd be nice for Ronaldo to score at City away. I think that'd probably give his confidence a really like really good showing. But I think City's centre halves, especially yeah. with John Stones are injured, like Manuel is so athletic. Like he will mm. not give Ronaldo any space at all. He's so good yeah. at Akanji. I've been really impressed with him, to be fair.
0: Yeah, probably Diaz and Akanji as a pairing yeah. um, on Sunday.
2: Yeah. I think I'll, I'll go with I'll go with a 1-1. I think I think 1-1's... I think we'll score first, and then I think the pressure will just mount. Um, and then we'll just get broke down, and we'll probably try and hold on. sub Casemiro on for 30 minutes.
0: It, it seems like, obviously, uh, well, when United are at the start of their project, and, and they're building something under Ten Hag currently we're seen good signs um, of his adaptability and, and his um, sort of quality to read players' um, sort of profiles and, and, and suit their game rather than uh, sort of having a rigid system and then playing players uh, out of position or out of role uh, in his system. Uh, how, how do we feel about the general expectation of, of um, where United should be this season and sort of as united fans are having witnessed sort of the last few seasons what would you be happy with um come the end of the season and and what do you expect from from ten hag um ten hag's united this season i think with
1: um we're being educated in ten hag and i think fans are having to educate themselves as well and the general consensus i pick up online and and, and you know out and about is that man united, man united fans are pretty much on the same page the expectations haven't really been written because the journey hasn't been written yet. It's a bad start to the season with two losses and then four really good results built upon really good response from players from the coach. So I would like us to be in the top four race this season, but it will be a roller coaster because that's Manchester United because everything we do is underpinned by instability <laughs> above it. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think we've got the right manager. This is this is why I wanted Ten Hag over Pochettino, because I just think it, it's a reset and it's a different direction for Manchester United. And we needed that. And I think the players in the main are responding to him. I think there will be people who fall aside and we're seeing that already. And I think a lot of that's not to do with favouritism in the past. I think it's to do with yeah. football education. I think the players that are thriving are players that are either leaders or, or who've played at a good level, or want to play football in a certain way, and I think that's in tune with Ten Hag. And then I think you've got players like McTominay and Diallo, who people may have written off, even myself, who just have that thing in them to want to be better and want to listen and learn, and, and they've thrived as well. So, but I, I think it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult to define where we are at the moment and set expectations. One, because yeah. I don't know what we can achieve this year, to be honest. And two. I don't want to set an expectation that then isn't hit. And then you sort of feel like you've got to go, we've underachieved. I don't think we can underachieve any more than we did last year. (laughs) So anything better than last year is a step forward. And I just hope we can keep the patience and progression and positivity that we have under Ten Hag. Because he's got a really difficult job. Um, But I'm enjoying it at the moment. And I just hope whatever happens on Sunday, even if we lose that's not, we don't lose sight of the fact that this journey is a long journey because where we hit last season was the lowest I've ever known.
0: Before uh, Ten Hag was at Ajax, he showed an adaptability at his previous club um, and then he's shown it now at Man United. So I think just in general, uh, it's really exciting and really impressive to see a coach sort of of that intelligence deploying new systems and and, uh, playing in a new way um, depending on on who he has. Um, But it does sound like sort of Generally, the, the mood in the United fan base is relatively optimistic. And um, yeah, it'll be good to sort of see um, see Ten Hag's journey at United. I just want to say a thank you to Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, I just want to say that, look, I, I know what both of you do on Twitter and, and, and that's obviously why I've been asked to do it. And I think it's it's fantastic what you do. And I'm seeing more and more of it, more than than I've seen in recent years where instead of people on social media coming out with just reactionary comments about this player's shit, this player's whatever, <laughs> or this yeah. player's a goat, people are actually explaining why now. And I think you two do it really well as well. It's, it's great because that's the sort of conversation, that's the next step for fan content is to be, you know, actually progressive because I don't find ex-players or or, or the mainstream media very good when they're stood in front of a screen just moving things around. I think it's it's almost like yeah. paint by numbers. So it's great to see more of this on social media
0: easily accessible so
1: yeah keep doing what you're doing
0: thank you so much
2: massively appreciate that man cheers man thank you very much
0: and thank you to everybody who's listened to the podcast uh the next one should be coming out again next week and uh, we hope to be dropping these regularly uh, each week so again thank you so much take care okay.